Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. The music is dead. Long live the music. Welcome to the official It's All Dead podcast. Uh, I am Kyle Hawk, editor-in-chief at It's All Dead, coming uh, to you from Indianapolis tonight and uh, in Chicago. Per usual, we've got our senior editor, Kyle Schultz. Kyle, what's going on? Not a whole lot. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good, pretty good. It's uh, it's like the first nice day uh, up here around where we live, so it was like nice to like get out and go for a walk. It's like spring's here, and that's like a really good feeling. So uh, I think it's kind of the same for you there, too. Yeah, this is the uh, first day I haven't hated myself in several weeks, and it's just going <laughs> to last for you know a couple hours longer. <laughs> well, I would love to have one of those days. Uh, you should tell me how you do that. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, you know... <laughs> It's it's not coincidental that we're going to be talking about what we are uh, tonight because we're talking about our favorite opening tracks, uh, favorite like you know side one track ones, and then our favorite closing tracks on albums. And I I usually think about this this time of year because there's certain albums that when the weather warms up, uh, I love to like get in my car and, and blast the album from start to finish as uh, you know. I'm, I'm driving down the road or something and uh, songs that just kind of make me feel good about the fact that I can go back outside into the world again. And a lot of those albums have like really great opening tracks. Cause I feel like for a lot of the music that we cover for this site, you know, whether it be pop punk or uh, you know, post hardcore, whatever uh, a really great album starts with a really great opening track. Um, and that probably sounds obvious, uh, but there are certain albums, especially for the warmer months of the year, that I put them on, and that opening track like immediately grabs me. Like, and I know I'm not going to be, uh, you know, picking another song. I'm just going to be listening to the album straight through. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Well, tell me why we're talking about opening tracks and closing tracks tonight. I mean, what? Why is this a, a conversation worth having? For some reason, the opening track is. Uh, I think it's the most important song on the album because it's the one that grabs you immediately, it holds your attention, and it sets the uh, game plan for the rest of the album. And, you know, whenever I'm grading an album or if, uh, you know, I'm listening to it for the first time, if the opening track isn't good, I just, 90% of the time, I automatically hate the rest of the songs on it. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just one of those things that almost all of my favorite songs are either the opener or somewhere near the opener. It's just that beginning part that sets all the rules is uh, the most important one to make sure everything sounds good following it. Yeah. I mean, so what we did is we put together lists of our top five favorite opening tracks, top five favorite closing tracks. Of course, it's incredibly subjective. Uh, and it was difficult to put the list together for me. I mean, there were certain ones I knew that were going to be on the list, but then ranking them was a little hard. But one thing I noticed as I was doing the list, especially in the opening tracks, I feel a certain way when I hear that track. Like when I hear the opening notes of the track, I feel something. Like whether it be like remembering the first time I heard that album or having some sort of like nostalgic feeling or whether I'm getting like really pumped up or excited. Like the, all of these opening tracks definitely make me feel something, you know, like sets a tone and they all set a tone for like the rest of the album. And like the way I view the band and that album as a whole, um, which is kind of cool. I know uh, last year we did the top 10 summertime pop punk track ones or something crazy like that. Like yeah. <laughs> it's obviously something that we kind of think is cool um, and it's fun to talk about. <clears throat> and we'll we'll talk about the closing tracks because that's actually a completely different conversation for me than the openers. But um, 
I guess to get us started, let's go ahead and I'll have you go first and count backwards five to one through your opening tracks. Like, tell us what they are and a little bit about why you uh, put them there on the list. Um, yeah, for me, going backwards to the opener, I'd say my number five would be Henrietta, Henrietta by the Fratellis. Mm. And uh, for me, that one, uh, the Fratellis Costello music is one of my all-time favorite records. It's insanely energetic. It's some of the most catchy songwriting and in-depth lyricism I've ever seen. Uh, the entire thing is a story about just being drunken in a brothel and, uh, you know, crazy just trips with friends and uh there's a lot of memories for me throughout many summers and henrietta starts off where it just starts off with a very just bumpy uh bass line and it just ends with the entire band chanting hello and then just jumping into the song and uh it sets up the energy it sets up uh you know, the passion for the rest of the album yeah. and it's one of those things that as soon as i heard it i knew i was going to be in for a ride for the rest of the disc um that's awesome i did not see that one coming <laughs> oh yeah it's it's way up there uh let's see number four i'd say american idiot by green day uh, um yeah. i think this is one of the all-time most important songs uh of their career at least if not rock and roll um because when it came out green day was you know on a downward slope after waiting they were opening for blink 182 after being around for you know, over a decade already. Yeah. And uh, American Idiot not only launched them out of the slump and brought back their career in a big way, but it put them back on track for what they needed after, um, you know, really hitting their prime in the mid-90s and then not catching up to that again. And uh, it pulled them out. It set up the American Idiot album and in every way. It set up the theme, the anthem, uh, set the sound, and it just – Everything that followed it went on the theme of what American Idiot brought out there for him. Yeah, that's uh, a huge cultural relevancy to that track as well. Yeah. Um, let's see, number three, I'd have to say, would be Breaking Rules by Lucky Boy's Confusion. And uh, for me, the reason for this is I found them right as they were originally breaking up for the first time. And uh, they just kind of came out of nowhere for me. Like, we found a burnt disc of them in someone's closet and just put it in thinking nothing of it. And just the opening part of, uh, you know, there's a drum going on where uh, they just have someone in the background. The first words of the album are just, I hope you play something good. And then it <laughs> launches in to this amazing just punk song about, uh, you know, selling drugs and getting in fights and hoping for the best. And then as it winds down, you find out, like, the entire theme behind why you're doing this is there's a part of yourself that you've been hiding for years and you're just now breaking out of it and you have this wild energy going along with it. And uh, it began their album Throwing the Game and set up the entire album for what followed with and it stayed on track with that for just uh, making sure that Throwing the Game is just a crazy drinking album. And yeah. uh, I really love everything with that. Um my number two would be At Your Funeral by Saves the Day. Uh, it's really important to me for the fact that it's the first Saves the Day song I ever heard, and it's one of their most unique at that, which yeah. is surprising because it's a song that so many people love, and it sounds like nothing else in their discography for a band that uh, is worshipped by so many people. 
like the first minute and a half is just a slow plunking of guitar while Chris Conley sings this depressing song about drowning in a basement. And uh, it picks up speed and gathers itself and ends with this really just powerful uh, guitar movement. And it really set up, uh, you know, stay w- what you are for uh, the album that it was. And it set the mood and the uh, tension there. And it made sure that it hooked you right away and kept with it for the rest of the yeah. uh, disc. And then um, I tried to find a way for this not to be my number one, but it just is. It's uh, My Last Semester by The Wonder Years. Wow, okay. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for it. There's too many reasons for it. It's uh, When I originally picked up The Upsides, I did it on a whim and almost out of spite because I was having a shitty day. I found this disc with, uh, I believe it's Soupy. I can't even tell anymore because he looks different. Uh, you know, sitting on the cover holding this cardboard sign. I put it in, and I knew about the Wonder Years previously um, from their disc Get Stoked on it. And they're an eh band. Um, you know, it's just something to get do on a whim. And I put it on, and just the immediacy of the lyrics, I'm not sad anymore, the way the yep. guitar builds, and then just jumping into the song just took me by such surprise and such force i literally stopped where i was and just listened to it and i had to finish the song before i could even keep going and just the depth of the lyricism and uh the power of the guitars and everything it sets up everything for not only what the upsides would be but for the rest of the wonder years career it's uh just such a staple and uh that's what really caught me yeah that's a that's a great one um and uh, i actually thought about Oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure all my reasoning is exactly the same for all five of those. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's, that's, uh, that's part of it. I mean, um, I really, there was one I thought uh, that's on my list that I, I was convinced was going to be on your list and it wasn't. So um, that's really oh, interesting. Oh, oh, we yeah. have, we have no crossovers um, on our, <laughs> our openers list at least. So yeah, that was a great list. I, I completely spaced on American Idiot or I would have assumed that would have been your number one. So um yeah, that's that's great, and the, of course, Lucky Boys Confusion Chicago shout out. So, um, cool stuff. Well, I'm going to run through my openers, and I've got to say, I'm I'm probably just going to cop out here because I have not been able to decide on number five. Because so I, I was originally <laughs> thinking for the list, I mean, obviously, like something like "Smells Like Teen Spirit" by Nirvana, a song I love. Oh, fuck yeah. No, it belongs on the list, but I, I don't know. I mean, with most of the lists, I've kind of stuck with like the scene that we cover, which is like the more contemporary you know, punk scene or whatever. So I'll, of course, like someone like smells like teen spirits on the list, but I, it's just, I'm going in a different direction with this. So for the last one, I was going back and forth, uh, between two and Berlin's the resistance, which Amberlynn, every single one of their seven album openers could have made this list. I mean, they just, they kill it with every single album opening song. It's unreal. The resistance is my favorite song of the seven opening songs of theirs but it's the one that least captures the feel of the album it's on which is new surrender so that kind of makes it shaky but the song in itself is incredible and then the other one i was between was mayday parades jamie all over which is my has been my ringtone for years um every single time i hear that song i just feel like a million bucks which is saying a lot because i don't feel like a million bucks very often but um (laughs) that album a lesson of romantics is fantastic and jason and derek's back and forth vocals on it are incredible but yeah jamie all over is, is in there so you know consider all that blob as my number five and then we'll get into the actual like ones i nailed down so number four was emory with walls um 
it's the opening track off of uh, their first album, The Week's End, and it's incredible. I mean, I this song is probably, you know, it's in the discussion for the best song the band ever wrote, um, but it, it opens with just this cru- these crushing guitars and the scream of, are you listening? And it just pulverizes you, and then it pulls back, and they get the keyboards and harmonies, and then at the end of the song, it just flips back on itself and just crushes down again, and it's it's just an incredible song. I uh, heard it for the first time by I bought a DVD that had a bunch of music videos on it, and that was one of the videos. And I was like, "Holy shit!" I, I'd never heard the band before, and I immediately went out and bought the CD, and it became one of my all-time favorite albums. Uh, but Walls, that that song never gets old to me. I like I can't put that song on and not just like start swinging my arms and flailing about. Um, it just has that effect <laughs> on me. Uh, number three is the song I thought was going to be on your list. Uh, it's Helena by My Chemical Romance. And uh, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, I wrote about it last year for the site. Uh, It's probably my favorite album of all time. And the song is just like the perfect opening to that album. Uh, I love spending that album in the fall, especially around Halloween time, just because of the, you know, kind of horror movie vibe of the whole album. But that song, like, it's so powerful, Um, you know, dedicated to Gerard and Mikey's mother or grandmother who'd passed away. Um, But just the whole feel of it just has this eerie, like, brooding building feel that just keeps going and the massive chorus um i mean there's no there's no question why that song became so huge for them and and one of their one of the songs that really kind of set them off on the trajectory that they went uh, as far as their popularity goes but yeah great song and fantastic music video like maybe if not the best yeah it's it's one of the best Uh, you could probably talk it in to being my favorite music video but yeah love that song uh number two um and number one for me are like a step above the rest of these. Number two is Yellow Cards Away Away. Mm. Every time I hear the opening notes of that song, like I just get chills. And I don't know if it's because that album was like so huge for me in college. Like a friend bought it for me and I <laughs> fell in love with the band at that time. But every time I hear that song, like I just feel like just taken over by feelings of nostalgia and how I felt back then. Because that whole album is about leaving home for the first time and me, you know, leaving and going to college and this album, like it captured all of the feelings I was going through at the time, especially the feeling like the, you know, way, way, away from here I'll be, which is what I was thinking about, you know, getting away from my hometown and going to college. And like, there's just so much this angry angst, but in a, a way of like, screw this, I'm, I'm going out on my own. And that song like captured everything I was feeling. Um, and, it, and in a sense, when I put it on, I'm taken back and it just, it, it's awesome. Like, you know, everybody loves to play Ocean Avenue in the summertime, and I do as well. And I, I just can't imagine that album starting in any other way than with Way Away. Another cool video. I lo- LP, like, he looks so cool in that video. He's got those, like, a black Adidas on, and it's just, I don't know, it's a cool, cool video. Um, and number one on the list was a no-brainer. It's Seosin, uh, It's Far Better to Learn. It's the opening track from uh, their self-titled album, 2006. And I love this song because it's so freaking epic like it's just a huge massive song and a lot of it's just i guess the backstory behind it you know like anthony green left the band they'd gotten this record deal they pick up cove this kid who you know just this high school kid who joined the band and they go through two years with you know really nothing happening and everybody's wondering what's going on with the band and then they release this song this album and it's just massive it was produced by howard benson like the whole album is just like 
perfectly produced. Like every note is just right. And Cove's vocals are just insane. You know, and when you think about him filling Anthony Green's shoes, I know people argue till the end of time about who was better. And, and I, I love Anthony Green. <clears throat> Excuse me. I love Anthony Green, but um, Cove's vocals on this album are incredible, especially this opening song. And what I love is like the way the, the song builds. It's got like that, the eerie background noise and leads into the guitars. And then right before the song kicks in, they do that little high pitched kind of guitar uh, chord that they used to do uh, on translating the name. And it's just kind of like this throwback to like, Hey, we're still the same band, but we're better now. And it's just everything about that song gets me so freaking amped up. Like I just, I love everything about it. So that's my list. Uh, nice. Any surprises or thoughts or anything? I don't know. I honestly had not even considered uh, Nirvana. <laughs> I'm so wrapped up in the current scene. <laughs> yeah, I figured that's what we would kind of, or both of our heads would be. But... Yeah, well, it's really hard to kind of go back in time uh, further than, you know, 10 or 12 years to really uh, think of things because you're always keeping up with what's coming out now and now yeah. and now. And you, uh, it really is easy to forget a lot of the older songs. Yeah. And when I look at these, like the years that came out, they were all like within a three year span of time. Like yeah. it was obviously like a time of my life that really, you know, a lot was going on and I was really kind of coming into my own. And that makes sense for these opening tracks. Cause it's, you know, it's the introduction to a new story that you're about to hear. And for some reason that really resonated with me at this particular time in my life. So I think that's kind of why that happened. So, yeah. Um, so that's opening tracks. We're also going to talk about closers. And uh, so, yes, the opening track, I feel like, is the most important. It sets the tone for everything. But a closer, for me, can bring the whole album like full circle, especially like concept albums or albums that are telling a story or have a theme, to have that closing song where you listen the whole way through. And, you know, if you read the site, you know that I'm crazy about vinyl records. I collect them. I really value listening to an album from front to back. And so for any album that has a really great closing song, uh, I really value that. And, and, and a closing song is going to sound completely different than an opening track. Like they're, the reason I love a closing song is completely different than the reason I would love an opening song. Um, and I don't know that that sounds weird and doesn't like, it's hard to like describe why that is, but a closing song like really brings, I guess, closure, uh, to what you've just been experiencing. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, for the most part, it's really hard to find a good closer because a lot of albums, when they come out, um, especially pop punk, you know, it's like start with energy, you keep the energy going, and you go out on as high of a note as you can, just explosive. And uh, there's not a lot of variety, to be honest. So finding a really good closer is a lot harder. And um, even for bands, some of the songs that I like as closing, uh, you know, as closers, uh, they're still not great like they're still not my favorite songs on the disc or anything like that so it, it, there's a weird mix where it's hard to have a closer be one of your favorite songs yeah. without it um feeling underwhelming and uh for me a good closer is something that either wraps up the theme or it just lowers or starts the bringing the energy down from the high that it was and it's something that you know the band really thought about and prepared for when they're like, this is how we have to finish this set. And uh, there's just a different energy that I really appreciate when that happens because it leaves you wanting more without feeling overwhelmed. Yeah, that's, I think you nailed it. 
Um, you uh, would you like to go first again on this sure. one? Sure. All right. Go for um, it. Starting at number five, I have Daphne Loves Derby's What We Have Been Waiting For. Okay. Um, well, the thing with this album, though, is each song is very poetic. Like, there's a different uh, set of images that go along with each song. There's a different energy with every song. And a lot of them are kind of dark, like, uh, you know, lost love, standing on a beach by yourself, watching the ocean, being lonely and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of romance with the songs, too. Like, there's a very just diverse uh, feeling you get throughout the album. And the way it ends is on the happiest note you could hope for. It's um, the entire song's about summer just appearing, and you're so happy to just feel the warmth in your skin, and just it's what you've been waiting to have throughout the entire winter, and just all the good things that are about to come. Yeah. And it's one of those uh, songs that when I got the album and I heard it for the first time, it was like mid-March, uh, you know, 10 years ago. So it, I heard that song on one of the first days we actually had warm weather and it just f meant so much to me oh, and it's um, a song that even to the, this day I play to myself whenever things are going really badly because it's just it's something that after everything they put you through they make sure you leave just as happy as you possibly could be that's awesome um, now I'm, in contrast to that the complete opposite would be uh, the early November's everything's too cold but you're so hot uh, <laughs> from the rooms too cold and this song's always meant a lot to me uh, the early November is one of my favorite bands this is one of my favorite albums and I used to just rave over this album and uh, the rooms too cold is just goddamn brutal yeah. the entire thing is just a dark emo uh, glory record pretty much and it takes you into the depths of despair and then brings you up and then just launches you back into despair again. But it's a roller coaster ride that keeps you focused, it keeps you going. And then this closer is one of the darkest songs Acenders has ever written. Um, it's just, it's very slow, it's soft. The guitars are almost like a whisper of a, just plinking strings. And he's just basically whispering the lyrics right up until like the last minute when the guitars, they just, I don't know how to describe it, bang on them pretty much, and it leads to Ender just screaming until uh, the song just ends abruptly pretty much. Yeah. And there's just a power and a focus to it that really brings The Rooms to Cold uh, full circle and ties in with Ever So Sweet and just the bitterness that comes along with uh, the theme of that album. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, number three is kind of a weird one because it's uh, from the Fratelli's Costello Music. And depending on either the UK version or the US version, there's a different closer and a completely different feeling to it. Yeah. Um, the UK version, the last song is Got My Nuts From A Hippie, which is this high power just rock album, or rock album, rock song. And uh, for all the party songs and all the drinking songs, uh, that came before it, it's just a massive ball of energy to go out on. And it's one of the few times that uh, John Fratelli actually starts screaming in the end of it just to keep the momentum going. And as much energy as they had in the album before it, they go out on such a high note, it just blasts the speakers with all the effort they have until it's just done. And it's one of those things that it uh, really pulled it together and just made this a power album unlike anything else I can think of. 
the U.S. version, the last song is actually a B-side called "Old Black and Blue Eyes," and after it comes directly after "Got My Nuts from a Hippie," and after just the huge waves of energy from that song, "Old Black and Blue Eyes," is a slow acoustic song about um, you know uh, one of the characters from the album, and it's very sobering for a song about you know just drinking and pub music. This is the uh, you know, the next morning when you're sobering up and you're getting back into the flow of it and it lowers the energy, but it keeps uh, the pop with it and really finishes out the song in a full, or the album full circle. Yeah. And it makes it feel like a complete story after that. Nice. Um, my number two would be AFI's It Was Mine from Crash mm -hmm. Love. Um, Crash Love is my favorite AFI album, much to the chagrin of many, but I... Uh, it's one of the most punk rock albums that they've ever put out for the fact that they're not a pop band and crash love is a pop record. And the theme of it is, um, you know, basically the entire album is just one big fuck you to pop and pop punk. And like, <laughs> uh, you know, the bigger pop acts and stuff like that yeah. who claim to be art and the entire album basically went, okay, we'll throw aside all of our hardcore music and we'll play your music and we'll do it better than you. And the entire thing is basically finding what the art is in pop music and, uh, showing it for what it is. And it was mine. The last song is essentially Davey Havoc, uh, it's much slower. It's much darker. It might be the darkest song on the album. It's much more akin to usual AFI music, but um, the entire thing's about how your audience steals the songs from you after you've written them with uh, lyrics basically like before you're getting ready to go on stage, you can hear the crowd singing, waiting for you to come out, yeah. and uh, they've come to take me away and won't leave until I'm gone. Like Those are some of the harshest lyrics i've ever heard about your own fans right and it's the most afi thing i can think of it's wonderful yeah um and then my number one which again i tried not to put number one but i just can't it's i just want to sell out my funeral by the wonder years yeah. and uh for me one it's i've cried to this song there's so <laughs> much there's so much to it because there's a good argument for any of the Wonder Years closers to be at the top of the list. There just is. They're amazing at finding the perfect ending to their albums. And I just want to sell out my funeral is the newest one from the greatest generation. And not only does it tie up every song on that uh, album by replaying some of the choruses and the more memorable lines, but it ties up the dialogue they've had for the last three records. Right. And it's just a seven minute just jam that blends all their styles together. It blends all their lyrics and their themes together. And it starts off with, um, you know, its own lyrics, its own song and its own identity before it just melds into everything they've ever written and goes out on a note of, uh, almost forced happiness, but it's acceptance as well. And for, you know, they had a trilogy about, you know, growing up and coming into accepting what life is and how to face it, it's uh, the best idea they could have for, um, you know, putting a period on that chapter of uh, their career. For sure. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I, I had a feeling that was going to be on your list. And it's, it's incredible because it's not just like the closing song of that album. It's also the closing of like that whole trilogy. Like, 
Um, man, that song is so powerful. And I, I flirted with putting it on my list as well, but uh, very good list there. Um, so I guess I will go ahead and knock out mine. And I'll, I'll tell you I cheated again on number five because I couldn't pick. So I'm going to just play <laughs> two of them really quick. And, and by the way, I've cried to every single one of these songs. So maybe that's a thing. It's a really great closing track for me. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, so the last one I, I went back and forth. I couldn't decide. Dashboard Confessionals, This Bitter Pill um, nice. from Swiss Army Romance. I mean, that song, like, it's just Chris and his acoustic guitar, and it just ends with him just screaming and crying, like literally crying and through tears yelling out the final lines of that song. And it is like the most tragic, sad, heart-wrenching end i mean because you know the i mean that early dashboard stuff was all like that you know but just to to bring that album to an end that way like is it was just brutal um and i still like love listening to it just because i don't know if you could get more raw emotion in a song and then i also put uh chiodos the undertaker's thirst for revenge is unquenchable uh it's the end last track of the bone palace ballet and it's just a crushing huge song i feel like it captures all of like the energy of chiodos it's got nick martin from undermined on the song and it's just like this incredibly crushing song um a lot of great lyrics but then it ends and then there's like a short little thing of like craig owens like doing this like little reading and basically like talking about empty is the sky before the sun wakes up empty is the faces of animals in cages and you know all this stuff and then he just ends with me don't ask me about empty and then the album's over it's just like oh man uh craig owens has a way of uh doing going for the overly dramatic stuff and he he nails it there so okay so now for the real list here number four is let live 27 club and uh this is from an album from a couple years ago and this i, I love this song so much um this is my favorite song on that album and the whole album is like jason uh butler you know fighting through all these different things, whether it be like a, you know, race or class or, you know, even the healthcare system in America. And it all just like comes to a head on this final track. It's like seven minutes long and it's just thrashing and crazy. And he's fighting against all these different things. Like he's, he's a very philosophical guy um, and open about it. And to this whole song, like he's fighting through like himself and who he is and the way he's lived his life. And then he's juxtaposing like these views of religion that he has against each other and like struggling with guilt. And there's some incredible, incredible lines here that like really resonate with me. Um, I like the chorus. I'm going to raise hell until it's high enough to be heaven. Um, it's a great line. Um, and then he, it gets to like the bridge part and there's just the drum, just bang, bang, bang bang and then he goes into this just shrieking they say he walks or he talks like a christian but walks like an atheist and he just keeps repeating it until eventually like he's in intelligible like you can't even understand what he's saying he's just like screaming like the cadences of those words and it's just like you can just feel like this emotional power of him wrestling with himself like coming through the on the track and it just is unreal um so that is number four. Number three is uh, Under Oath, To Whom It May Concern. And they have a lot of really great closing tracks. This is the closing uh, track to define the great line, another one of my favorite albums. And it's just this beautiful track that starts slowly. And uh, Aaron Gillespie's vocals come in and he's, you know, define the great line is just rife with conflict. Like the whole album is just 
man, it just pummels you in the stomach as a Spencer Chamberlain's basically wrestling. The whole album is like basically about his struggle with drug addiction and how he can't seem to escape it. And so it comes to an end and uh, Aaron Gillespie is singing over these, this like really a- atmospheric song, like at the end of the road, you'll find what you've been longing for. And it's just like this really beautiful moment. And then it crushes in as Spencer comes in again. Um, and, and the track just kind of ends like really, uh, ambiguously and uh, Chris Dudley does a lot of uh, electronic uh, some of the synthesizers on there and just the track just kind of fades out and it's just like this really beautiful and hopeful even if it is still kind of questioning or mysterious end to this battle that the whole album has been about um, about you know with Spencer trying to define this line of which side he's going to stand on as he as he deals with his addiction and it's just a, an incredibly beautiful end to the album um, and so the top two again, kind of stand a step above the rest. And it's interesting because both these bands I mentioned on my openers list, like I found as I was doing this, like some bands are really good at writing opening and closing tracks. Um, So number two for me is Yellow Card Back Home. And it's the last track on Ocean Avenue. One, the song is just incredible. Like it's just so raw um, with those guitar chords. Um, And then the just the lyrics. So like way away, which I mentioned on the first half, he's talking about just getting away from home and getting out on his own and getting away from everything. And then this whole album's focused like is about leaving home. And then with the last track he's reflecting and he's basically like standing, like looking out on the ocean and singing about what it's like back home. And it starts with like, uh, don't know what I was looking for when I went home, I found me alone. And I, every time I hear those songs, like or those opening lines I tear up because I think about like after my senior year of college, I went back home for that summer and was just completely lost. Like didn't have any friends in the town. And I was stuck in between these two worlds of like this new life I'd started and the life back home that I was supposed to still love, but I didn't have that connection with it anymore. Um, and it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful, uh, song. And I want to read, uh, the last few lines from the second verse, which is, uh, free to stand beside the ocean and moonlight and light myself a smoke beneath the dark Atlantic sky. And I just, the imagery with those lyrics, like you can just picture it like the, the night sky standing by the ocean. You can hear the waves and see just like the light of the cigarette. I don't know. It just kills me. It hits me so hard. Um, and I just think it's a beautiful, like one of, like we talked about the full circle ending. Yeah. Um, so the number one without question, uh, was Anne Berlin with Finn and, uh, not Finn like a dolphin fin, but Finn like, you know, finished. Um, and it's the last track on Cities. It's eight minutes long, and it is so full of power. Um, basically, Stephen Christian is singing each of the three verses as a story of someone he witnessed in his life that he was close to and that he trusted that did something or had a life they lived in such a way that destroyed... Uh, I guess, are impacted in a negative way, his own faith. Um, basically, all these ways that somebody that he trusted and looked up to lived in such a way that made him not want to have anything to do with faith or with God. And it's just incredible. And like one of the lines in it is, um, um, we're not, as he finishes out these things, we're not questioning God, just those who chose to carry on his cross. And I just, man, this song like means so much to me because I, I, I find myself in so many of the stories he's singing and something I just read recently. So on the like last four minutes of the track, like the there's a choir singing um, 
patron saint aren't we all lost like you over and over again and um the guitars are swirling it's just this huge song and he just starts crying out like with his, his vocals it's just crazy and i read just recently that that whole stretch was completely ad-libbed in the studio like he was just they were oh, wow. he was in the studio the song was playing and he just ad-libbed like these beautiful like desperate vocals that end the song and it's like it's one of the most like crushing and still somehow hopeful moments like of any anything i've ever heard and when you hear cities as a whole which is like the song about cities like our cities and the communities we have and the people and all of the shit that we live in um and it, how it brings it all to an end like with this this gasp of like looking to hope like help us and i just there's something so beautiful and powerful about that it's just an incredible incredible song um i you know there's not a lot of songs like closing songs that are my favorite but i this there's a good chance this is my favorite Anne Boleyn song so that's it that's my list nice i am sad because i have heard very few of those <laughs> yeah well well you've heard back home um and 27 club i uh i would encourage you to listen to i would encourage everybody's listening to listen not only just listen to finn the song like do that but listen to cities as a whole because that song also brings what i consider to be their best album to a close and it's just a really it, it's probably the best song that uh, they've ever written and uh, a last note on that i saw them play it live one time and that choir part was incredible because the whole crowd was just like singing that choir part where it's just the band playing and the crowd singing patrons saying are we all lost like you and it was just like i was just like it's probably the most like overtaken with emotion i've been at a concert before just because everybody knew it and it was just this incredible moment but anyway that's us talking about uh opening songs and closing songs i don't know if you feel the same way, I was mentioning like uh, Anne Berlin and Yellow Card both showed up on both uh, both sides of the list. I feel like there's certain bands that are just really freaking good at writing an opening track or like bringing an album to a close. The Wonder Years is another example. Yeah. No, I, there's, there's, I don't know, it's hard to describe because there are certain bands that that's one of their best aspects. They're able to open and close super strong and they're, a lot of bands are able to get that opening track really uh, off the bat immediately, but um, there's very few of them that can really write a good closer, I feel. Yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a pretty huge part of it, and uh, I think it just makes it that much more impactful. So, well, we've talked for a pretty long time about this. It must uh, – <laughs> <laughs> hope uh, everyone's enjoyed listening all the way through, like the, the two people that did, um, but okay. <laughs> So yeah, as friends. always, um, <laughs> you can check out all of our content at itsalldead.com. Album reviews, feature pieces. We love to reflect on albums that turn ten. Uh, we've been doing several of those this year. Breaking news and, and more, and of course the podcast. Uh, if you like the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. We would really appreciate it. So uh, that's going to do it for uh, this uh, episode of the official It's All Dead podcast. Kyle, thanks for joining. Oh, thank you for having me, sir. And uh, until next time, uh, enjoy, and we'll see you at itsalldead.com. Bye. Thanks for listening to the official It's All Dead podcast. You can download our podcast at iTunes and find exclusive music news and content at www.itsalldead.com. <laughs>